0: Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is our weekly recommend or refute episode where we each discuss a film that we watched separately during the week and kind of uh, tell the rest of the group what we thought about it and whether we would recommend or refute it. Uh, So with me, as always, are uh, John Garcia and Ryan King. John, do you want to kick us off and uh, tell us what you watched this week?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So this week I watched, you know i've kind of established a reputation maybe not necessarily on afterthoughts podcast but on our previous podcast uh of the underground table as a, a schlock jockey somebody what? who really dives deep into the dumpsters of film and just loves that stuff revels in it um and this week i have something you're a that shit is- person john yeah <laughs> uh i i refute that statement but i also recommend it uh um you
0: can't deny it's factual
1: that's right uh so this week i surprisingly don't have schlock to talk about i have something that won um an la Fis- let's, festival let's
0: wait till you finish talking about this movie to yeah, figure yeah, out whether sure, it's schlock sure, or why not, not.
1: Yeah. uh but it but it won a a la festival's grand jury prize it was okay. a premiere at a south by southwest dixon i believe You're familiar with that based on some previous uh, episodes. I have been to
0: the festival, I have not heard of of this film before. Um,
1: yeah, and this film is 2021's Potato Dreams of America.
2: Potato, where's your red scarf? I won't wear it. What the red stands for all the blood that was spilt for the revolution. (sighs) I won't wear your stupid communist bloodthirsty scarf. Tell me more about your mom.
0: My mom is my best friend.
2: A divorced woman with a child should be begging strangers on the street to move in with her. Grandma, don't be dumb. You'll hear what he said to me. Because you're dumb.
1: The title itself seems absurd on the surface, but it's actually the story of a um, boy from the USSR who came over to the United States um, when his mother signs up to be a... Male order bride. Okay, um, he is dealing with his homosexuality and trying to grapple with his, his sexual orientation, um, while also living in the, his stepfather's home who kind of has like some surprises for him, basically that his, his stepfather is sort of ultra religious. Um, the film itself, uh, potato dreams of America, the title is It refers to his name. He's called Potato through the film, and in English, that sounds really silly out there. I'm sure, but when it hits the ears in Russian, uh, it's a pet name. It's what his mother calls him. His mother calls him Potato, which is Kartoshka. That's you know, like my little Kartoshka, my Kartoshka. It's like okay, cool. That's sweetie, yeah. It's a little sweetie. You know, this is what I I love. Um, It is all told through this kind of lens of film and how he's experienced American life through watching movies on pirated television stations in the USSR when like the iron curtain falls and it's not done in a very serious and grounded way. Um, and, and I say serious and grounded in more of like, it's not gritty. It's not a drama, like a 24 sort of family drama sort of thing. It opens on his mother being abused. And even from that point, the character of Potato is trying to frame that and how a film might show it. He's doing the kind of classic uh, director's view where he's got an index and a thumb and an index and a thumb and they're meeting in that square to like frame the violence of what he's seeing. Okay. But his mother's like crying out, like, get him out of here. I don't want him to be here. And from that moment, I was hooked. And Sasha decided to go in with me on this and watch this movie with me. I pitched her on the back kind of synopsis and it was just a beautiful experience. That's really, it's the most personal kind of film. And it's kind of my favorite way that things are done is it's made from a, a, a place of passion where, um, the director, Wes Hurley and writer, Wes Hurley, um, director, writer, Wes Hurley has based it on his own experience and how he came to the States. Uh, and it tells his truth. So there are parts of it where, characters don't really need as much buildup because you know that this is based on somebody's life, that this is a narrative story to tell you about their experience. And so you can meet these characters and know who they are immediately, how they might fold into his story and what he's experienced in his life. Um, but the most fascinating part of it is it reminds me of kind of a Wes Anderson movie, Hmm. but with less of a surgical Murray in it. Bill Murray is not in it. But it's not a
0: Wes Anderson movie. It is.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, that's the, that's the main differentiator here. Is there a Wilson in it?
0: <laughs> there what is the, not one of the Wilsons. No, no Wilson no. is
1: in this. Nobody goes, wow. <laughs> um, but it, it has this kind of kitschy, uh, stage play sort of aesthetic and this symmetry to certain scenes and asymmetry to others feels very intentional stylistically. Um, and, There are these moments where when characters start to tell their stories or, uh, other events are unfolding in the background, it's presented very much in a stage play style. Um, and I say that not in like the whale stage play where everybody is business and blocking for the sake of showing you business and blocking to the back row sort of thing, but more like, for example, um, His uh, babushka, his grandmother, is talking to him about serving in the Russian military. And in the background behind the window is a stylistically lit blue light over like the shadow of several men fighting with knives. They're all just silhouetted, that kind of thing. Or he'll talk about his experience with certain things in the USSR and suddenly a curtain will appear in the back window of their house and people will come in front of it and act out certain things while he's telling you. Um, It fluctuates between potato as a child and potato as a teenager in America trying to fit in and find his place with people. It also um, just kind of fair warning to folks out there uses the hard F word um, in a way to show you just how he was, discriminated against what kind of hurtful language was used against him. Um, these very relatable scenes. You're talking about and the,
0: uh, the British cigarette. Uh, word. I'm talking
1: about a bundle of sticks. Yes. yes that's uh-huh. exactly what I'm referencing. Um, and that just these moments of highs and lows in his experience as a human being and being treated as an other, um, it, It follows sort of some of the beats that you would want it to and other beats that are less predictable. It's a very strange movie in how it tells its tale like Jesus is an actual figure in it like there's a real Jesus character I saw that on IMDb okay. the first person <laughs> yeah. listed
0: on the call sheet is Jesus Christ I was like oh yes okay
1: <laughs> there's a poster that says uh, <laughs> how much would well, what would Jesus lift I think is the the quote it has Jesus <laughs> just like shredded there's a bunch of other goofy stuff in it it's it's got a dark sense of humor to it how um, much protein
0: powder would Jesus eat bro <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but but I was Truly, Sasha and I were both completely blown away with how engaging it was, how heartfelt it was. And it really emotionally moved us. Like, we just fucking loved it. Um, It was one of those movies where the moment I finished it, I just had to tell more people about it. I had to go and say, hey, have you seen this? Do you know about this? Is this anything that's on your radar? Especially given... That the, uh, uh, the fucking Texas Senate has recently passed, or is true. Did they pass a bill? I don't fucking know. They were putting up a bill uh, around get... qualifications and drag. Uh, like, it's just some shit that antagonizes.
0: I just get so depressed about the stupid culture war bullshit that I just stop reading. They, and, yeah,
1: uh, some Senate bill that was trumped up that basically just demonizes the LGBTQ plus community and is. We're not gonna fucking, have any gay people, folks. Uh, so they don't exist. We don't have any gays, folks. We just put our heads in the sand. That's how it works. We can't breathe it's in It's very air. warm down here. Come down and enjoy the sand, folks. But it is, it's that kind of movie that can really humanize somebody. I feel like I could show this movie to my dad, and he might be perplexed by it, but he might also just connect with a human emotion on a separate level. And the style mm. itself carries so much of what this movie is about. So... Yeah. Potato Dreams of America is my recommend for this week. It was fantastic. And I think Wes Hurley hopefully takes pride in, in what he's made. He's made a fucking goddamn great film. That's cool. the highest commendation I can give to something.
0: It's streaming at on most tech monopoly sites for two dollars so
1: there you go very affordable rental two dollars to check it out um it's somebody's personal life story and it's told in a very unique and stylistic uh, stylistic way i would recommend it
2: how do you think uh wes hurley could move to a subject that isn't his own like what would be that next step because i know sometimes i've seen things like this and they're they're good because it's that passion project that's really close and dear to them but then it's difficult to follow it up
1: that's been, that's actually a really interesting question because I watched a few of the short films that Wes Hurley has done and they seem to all explore his personal life or his sexuality. And I think that that's something he's really fixated on. And I don't know what the departure would be from a stylistic point, though. If he takes us into any other film, it's easily recognizable as his fingerprint. Um, and it would be something that I would welcome in. Uh, it would be a campy kind of experience, science fiction-y. It feels like an extension of drag and how drag is as a, as a medium. Um, just even in its most depressing moments and its bleakest moments in this movie, it still has some element of dark comedy to it, some element of humor that Wes seems to have found. Um, and I feel like that would be carried into anything else. I don't, I can't fathom at the moment how Wes might handle subject matter. Like our previous episode, uh, skycrawlers talks about talking about that kind of philosophical thing, because I think Wes comes from a different kind of oppression and a different kind of philosophical breaking point. Yeah. Um, personally. So I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. I'm very yeah. curious myself.
2: Cause he, you, you, mentioned Wes Anderson and he has, he's a style, right? Very much a, a look and, and mm-hmm. feel to his movies. Uh, but they're not, personal stories of his, they're not autobiographical. So to speak. maybe elements, you know, a lot of directors and and writers put themselves in their own movie in some way with this one being so close to Wes Hurley's direct life. It would be interesting if he could take that style and apply it to similar subjects, but not his own life. Like how would he do that?
1: One of the other short films that he made was a silent film. Um, and it was, uh, about a, it was basically like similar to the little mermaid in a way where there was a merman who yes cue your zoolander quotes go ahead <laughs> merman <laughs> um <laughs> a merman who fell in love with a sailor who was uh, apparently just like fucking around by a lake and the merman decides to accept the offer of some undersea witch and have his body turned into Uh, a man's body. He has like legs and everything. And he just goes to um, a gay club and hangs out and tries to find the sailor and ends up finding the sailor. Like who is like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of enamored with you. I think that you're really enchanting, but hold on. I'm going to go and like have a relationship with these other guys. I'm going to like bang these guys in a bathroom is basically what happens. And the merman is so disheartened by it. Um, and meets another man who is equally disheartened. And it turns out that that man was an eagle at, at another point, like an eagle man or something. And has given mm. up his, his wings to be with another man. And they end up finding love that way. And it's all done silently all with pantomime and it's very sentimental. It is also pornographic, but like they're, are these elements I'm shocked, of just John. <laughs> <I'm> shocked, <laughs> shocked, shocked, and absurd to find gambling in this place? <laughs> Here, you're winning, sir. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it, it's those. I feel like, um, there's a few other things like there's a documentary that Wes has done that led to this movie being made, and I think that Wes is still just exploring his sexuality. And having spent so much of his life repressed, um, mm-hmm. is exploring that liberation right now. So um, I'm not entirely sure how huh. he would break free from that style. It's fascinating to think about that, though. So yeah, good question, Ryan.
0: That's interesting. Whenever I I hear about mer men or or women, I can only think of the lighthouse. Now that's, that's oh all. Like I don't think too. about the Little Mermaid or anything. It's just like. <laughs> The darkest place that that, that could go
1: <laughs> you're fond of me lobster i know it. i've seen it
0: <laughs> uh scrolling through the imdb page there are conservatively seven people credited as potatoes lover and conservatively another seven people credited as fantasy husband um is this like a lot of um kind of like fantasy sequences of, of kind of him like imagining scenarios for himself that would work out in a, in a positive way or kind of how does, how does that play out in the film?
1: So the myriad of fantasy husbands and Leary uh, and, uh, or like partners in this particular context has to do with the epilogue of this movie. So I'll prepare all of you. If you were thinking I'm going to watch potato dreams of America with my mom and dad Towards the end, there is about 10 minutes of segment where he really comes into his own, has his own sexual liberation in America. And it's kind of permitted to do that because he lives in Washington. That's like a little more liberal of a state, state or D.C. Washington state, uh, a little more liberal of a state and is able to express himself more openly. Um, and that just leads to this kind of montage of once he's done with his oppression in a more religious context, Um, And even in to to an extent, a political context, he has to overcome in this epilogue, the oppression of his cultural context. So, for instance, a lot of people fetishize him for being Russian. They say it's fascinating Mm. that he has a Russian accent. They really exoticize him. And you he uses these moments with these lovers to show you how that exoticism plays into his sexual life. And so if you're very squeamish about watching other sexual scenes or the implication of sexual scenes, you're a little bit more, um, reserved in that regard, these probably you're going to feel a little averse to, but has a solid point to his development as a human being, his understanding and ownership of who he is and how he interacts with people. And you can't stop that kind of fetishism and that exoticism. It's unfortunate. But it shows him how it shows how he copes and overcomes it and uses it to empower himself. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Potato Dreams of America. I would recommend it. I didn't know about it until I bought it randomly on Vinegar Syndrome, the same place I get my porn from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just one time, and I'm never going to live it down.
0: It's uh, yeah. been more than one time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can watch it for $2 on the
2: Tech Monopoly of your choice. So there check you it go, out. everybody. I recommend it. Ryan, what do you got? So l- looking for things to watch with my kids, uh, Going through Disney Plus, I was oh, no. uh, surprised to find Return to Oz on there because it's one of those things that I assume Disney was embarrassed by and wouldn't put in there. They still won't put the fucking straight story on Disney Plus. Yeah, you won't <laughs> put the Song of the
1: South. We wanted everybody.
2: <laughs> you know what we want? We just want um, Disney to be honest about their bigotry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just let everyone know how awful they are. That was
2: where
1: Walt's Frozen head is. God damn it!
0: <laughs>
2: That's where they keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Where, whatever right that real false is. is. <laughs> yeah. The song the south is. Right head next to head. his heart. <laughs>
0: you uh, you mentioned something about a a tiger. A lion. A cowardly
1: lion. And he could talk too, like the
2: scarecrow and the tin man? Return to Oz is a sequel, question mark, to Wizard of Oz. There are differences between the 1939 Wizard of Oz movie and the book books it's based on. And this Return to Oz takes some of the things from the 1939 movie and some things from the books and then also just makes up a bunch of shit on top of it. <laughs> um, okay. I... Had seen this as a kid, it's a fever dream of a memory. I think I've watched it twice as a kid, and I just want to subject my children who are now old enough to see the horrors of it and not have nightmares. <laughs> because this... I am fascinated in how this movie got made because it just is so terrifying version of The Wizard of Oz that that I can't believe. And I was even more surprised this time because now looking at it, the production value and budget for this movie is ridiculous really and and i was thinking i was like this isn't in my mind as a kid like i saw this and it was weird and horrifying and it's told in you know in quiet dark places people that talk about bad movies might mention this um but watching it i was like whoa this is a budget that people at disney thought this could be something not when i mentioned it no one knows what the hell it is like i think they thought this was gonna be the sequel to the wizard of oz that people watched i guess and that it was gonna be big (laughs) big bucks apparently there was some changeover in disney at the time and it ended up getting more money than it was supposed to in its budget but it still had a really high budget to begin with the 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 basic idea okay now let me set it up for you real quick Go for the it. basic idea is that dorothy has returned from oz to her boring ass life on the farm yep. and she is talks this set about
0: like right after the end like of right the after yeah okay.
2: dorothy's still a kid toto's still alive yeah, she um, has
1: CTE from that tornado. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes.
2: She's woken she, up from her concussion. And, yeah. yeah. In her boring ass black and white Kansas, but it's in color in this version. All oh, she talks what? about is Oz. Yeah. All she talks about is Oz and no one believes her. And at some point, Annie M and Uncle? Question mark? Henry? Fester? What's his name? Yeah, I don't sure. remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, decide they've had enough and take her to an insane asylum. Oh, my God. And that's the start of our movie. Where the doctor gives her electroshock therapy. Jesus Christ! Wow. Holy shit! <laughs> and then, and that's you know if that's the point where you should be like, this is for kids. Then this, this is like a, a good witch chunk. burning
0: movie. Like <laughs> yeah,
2: this is a decent chunk of the start of the movie. Is like we don't even get to Oz. We spend a little bit of a time with everyone not buying Dorothy's story, and and her getting into this crazy sanitarium she escapes in the sanitarium and some weirdness ends up in Oz, but Oz is like fucked up. And the first thing is like the yellow brick road is just like piles of bricks that have been like strewn along and she starts to follow them. And like, everything is gone. Like everything is screwed up in Oz, which that's a part where I'm like, they thought that this was going to be a good sequel that if you're a kid and you just sat down and you're like, okay, the monkeys were scary, but like, (laughs) is there more Oz mom? And they turned this on. And you just get affronted with like, oh, God, the Munchkin village is burnt down and the bricks are strewn around the ground and no one is there. All the bright colors are gone. And then they throw these characters at you. Not you like you don't see Scarecrow. Well, you do see Ten Man, but he's dead more or less. You don't see Scarecrow (laughs) or the Cowardly Lion or whatever. You get these new characters introduced. We do see the Tin Man. He's like frozen stiff again, because that's what Tin Man does. Oh, we do yeah. see the Cowardly Lion. He's turned into stone.
1: Oh, okay. And we Would don't. We so. have no idea
2: where the Scarecrow is. Yeah. And then we proceed to be chased around by these characters called Wheelers, which are... uh I don't even... John, if you, I don't even know how to describe these things. The, yeah. The... The actors are on like, like skates, and then they have like skates like, Ryan, in their hands. Uh, you showed and us going a around, clip like, before this. Yeah.
1: They're they're like the um, performers on Hollywood Boulevard who play Bumblebee.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, they have good. wheels yeah, yeah. on their hands and legs, and a face yes, that's there you human. Go.
2: <laughs> yeah, or some kind of Cirque du Soleil thing where you're like, I don't. What is this supposed to be? Is it the oh, the person's a car? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have these. It's grotesque like david on, a car <laughs> yes and so they're really yeah yeah <laughs> they're really freaky and immediately like freak you out uh as a kid they stuck in my mind forever and like watching it now my kids immediately were like no mm-mm, no like, <laughs> saw it, like no that's not good that's not right um and then they introduce instead of the tin man she gets followed around by a different metal man tiktok uh Who this is the part where I was like, "Whoa, the budget is obeying the Chinese
1: government? Are they?"
2: (laughs) 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 Yes, amazing. TikTok before TikToks. Um, He's like a giant brass clock man thing, but again, not the level of the original Wizard of Oz, where it's like a dude pretending to be a robot man. Like they built a a robot man thing to actually like move around and puppet and all that. Like, this is 1985, so this is a post-Star Wars world. We're actually trying to do something with our practical effects here. Um, and then, it like, it goes on and on with other shit like that. So, instead, of, we have this, like, pumpkin-headed guy that's, like, crazy puppeteered. It's pretty much, like, the scarecrow, but he has a pumpkin for a head. But it's, like, actually just, like, sticks and pumpkin, but it moves around. And just all this fucking bizarre stuff. Their villain is a lady who takes off her head and has other heads. And she like switches Ooh. them out, and there's like a room full of like her heads, and oh she's gonna God. take Dorothy's head. That don't sounds like, like some like it's... Ingmar Bergman fucked yes. up shit. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that's... to a kid, the whole time you have to be like, this is just fucked up. This is all nightmares. Like none of this is a good. <laughs> yeah, like, just I just don't want to go to at Oz your
0: Watching this, like you're gonna have to fucking deal with this. <laughs> yeah, <tonight. laughs> enjoy
1: that's the exactly. trauma, kids.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the the part that I didn't remember was at the end when they finally get back the Scarecrow and the Coward Lion and the Tin Man the designs on them are just as fucked up as everything else in this movie and are pure nightmare fuel in of themselves. And I had forgot that part. I guess in my mind, I just remembered the, all the weird shit in the first three quarters of this movie, but
0: mm-hmm. they eventually
2: get there and I like the scarecrow and I'm like, that's wrong. Like it is not the scarecrow as a kid where you're kind of like, Oh, I know it's a guy. It's, it's endearing. Like they make some kind of weird ass. Like he doesn't have a, like a human face. It's like a, like a stuffed animal scarecrow. Oh, he's got face. like a Wilson
1: the volleyball face.
2: Yeah, kinda. Yeah, and <laughs> oh then no, uh, is Tom uh, Hanks in this. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks. It's Tom Hanks. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the well, scariest thing in this my movie. Boy. Welcome That's to Oz. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to do some kind of accent. Yeah. Um, Where is he
1: from? Outer space? What the fuck is that? <laughs>
2: uh, oh my God. Yeah, but it's just like it's such a weird movie. And then the resolution is just like the same shit. She goes back to Kansas and no one believes her anymore. And I guess her family is just like, Hey, the sanitarium was bad. We won't send you there anymore. But that's the resolution more or less. She takes care of, all the shit in Oz and gets it back to good. <laughs> what a
0: character arc. The, what is the, the moral I'll of say, the story? Like, I feel like the first Wizard I'm not of Oz sure. has such a powerful ending to me. That like, like, the first Wizard of Oz terrified me as a child. And then I saw it again as an adult, like, five years ago. It was, like, the only time I've seen it since I was, like, eight. And I remember hating it as a kid because it freaked me the fuck out. And then I watched it again roughly four or five years ago. I was like, this is actually a really interesting yeah. moral to this story. It's taking down... Religion and government and all these powerful institutions and saying actually these things these institutions that tell you how to live your life and act like they know everything. They're just bullshit. They're a man behind a curtain trying to control you and you need to trust in yourself and learn how to find what you believe and live out your life on your own terms. And that's a really powerful message. And this sounds like this is just fucking bullshit craziness for the sake of bullshit craziness.
2: Pretty much. Yeah. I don't really know if there's a lesson to be learned at the end of it. The people of Oz that now are like, now everything's okay. Like the Emerald city's back. Everyone's back. They've taken away the power from this evil wizard. There was some gnome King. There's some other shit. I didn't even understand. Oh my. Uh, and they, they go to, to left Dorothy the and they're and like taking over yeah. the whole, the whole country. They go to Dorothy and they're like, you, you should be queen. You should be queen of Oz. We want to make you queen of Oz. And they're all like chanting, join <laughs> us. One of us queen of Oz. Oh God. Um, and she's like no Join I have to go cult. home. Yeah. yeah. She's like I have to go home. I failed to mention that she doesn't bring Toto with her by the way. Oh, uh it's brings, better cuz well, yeah. she brings her chicken. <laughs> and the chicken in Oz has the ability to talk. And it oh, ADR it ADR talks all the time throughout oh, this like movie. It's like homeward
1: bound chicken. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Which actually even more I didn't I thought as a kid it was just a chicken, but weirdly watching it I was like they mix in like chicken practical chicken and puppeteering chicken and a little bit of like an animatronic chicken and again i was like the budget is way too high on this bizarre nightmare (laughs) fuel wait Uh, who does the chicken
1: voice though
2: yeah, some I don't know. Yeah, It's not
1: Don but Knotts? It's I'm Don so Knotts. that would have been
2: amazing. It's about, it should have been Don Knotts. It's about it that annoying. Is that the chicken
0: like, you have to leave me here, I can talk. Do not take me back to uh, the you real You gotta world. do a Don talk Knotts, Knotts yeah, voice when you much. say that, Dixon. <laughs> yeah, well, you,
1: have much.
0: you have to leave me here. <laughs> I feel like that was Jimmy Stewart. Oh, <laughs> damn
1: yeah. Don Knotts is borderline Jimmy Stewart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, they go to her and she's like, no, I have to go, I can't be your queen. I have to go back to my home. And then they turn to the chicken and the chicken's like, yeah, I'm staying. Like I'm not going anywhere. Like, I will be your wha-
0: ruler. Yeah, why would I be chicken?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, the, the resolution is uh, Ozma, Ca-ca-ca. the true queen of Oz, was in a mirror all along, and then she comes out of the mirror and is queen. But the chicken stays. What the stays. fuck is that? Oh, my God.
1: It's just as anticlimactic <laughs> as the Johnny Depp Alice in Wonderland. <laughs>
2: I-, I will say, having seen and read some actual Frank Baum stuff, It actually is just pure fucking nonsense fantasy, and this is probably more akin to the bullshit that happens in the Oz books than the 1939 Oz movie um, of just, like, random chaos, nonsense, weird things being described, so maybe it's more true to that than it is to to the original movie, but yeah, it's just it's so weird it was nominated for an academy award i don't i didn't mention that at the top i didn't know production that production value is for, that an academy award yeah production for vi- for visual effects for yeah, visual effects yeah, yeah, you you go. Go. It, yeah it lost a cocoon uh um, yeah, okay i actually am like it's a good run because the i'll be the visual effects are honestly pretty good uh for this it would be amazing if it had won and people had to go back and remember and think about this uh, but just the fact it's in the nominations list means it'll never go away uh, yeah. but it's on disney plus i don't know why i'm surprised that it is there was an
0: oz movie that came out like i don't know six or seven years ago with james franco and mila kunis that like mm-hmm. everyone forgot immediately oh, and yeah. i never saw it but Directed the trailers horrible i i don't know may- maybe uh but i was like it seemed like they promoted it for a little bit and then realized they was stupid and they just kind of stopped running ads and everybody kind of forgot about it and just brushed it under the rug. I don't even remember what it was called but it was some kind of Oz movie.
1: It was Oz the Great and Powerful. That's the one. Yeah, that That's was the it. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's directed by Sam Raimi. I didn't it's see it. It's Sylvester. It's Sylvester. <laughs> <It's Silvester. laughs> yeah, it's my resignation of like <laughs> Sam Raimi did it. He did it for the money. <laughs>
0: there was a Spider-Man cameo. <laughs> oh, this is a <laughs>
1: yeah uh there was an oz um tv show on hbo right is that the same <laughs> <laughs> oh ah,
2: shit i thought about, i hadn't thought about that in a long time recently but the the actress that was in that oz tv show uh-huh. is in the andor show and i was sitting there for a while being like, <laughs> like how do i know this? who that is and i went and have looked it up and i was like oh my god do you remember that i was like to darla i was like you remember that oz show the fucking weird ass And I was like, Oz was played by uh, the guy that plays Kingpin and... Yeah, and
1: somebody else brought that up recently. This is a tangent, obviously, but somebody brought Oz up recently and talked about how Dean Winters was in it. Dean Winters, we all know from Hellraiser 6. Uh, We all know this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And the uh, the fucking insurance commercials where he's Mayhem. Everybody knows that. Oh, that motherfucker. That motherfucker, yeah. Uh, He's
0: actually (laughs) going to come back later in this episode. Oh, all right. I'm interested to
1: hear about this. Uh (laughs) A little teaser there. um well ryan uh i'm sorry
2: yes i got lost anyway. in the fog we, yeah what we the got fuck lost you're in the talking nonsense. about
1: is this a recommend or a this is a,
2: this is a recommend this is totally <laughs> oh, recommend. Really? I, I did not say, see this coming out of left twist field, ending <laughs> i do not recommend it for small children <laughs>
0: <laughs> Says the man who just subjected his offspring to this nightmare. Fuel. Do you, you recommend
2: know, it for small soldiers? <laughs> we, we ramped up. We yeah, we watched Small Soldiers. We've watched Neverending Story. We've watched Original Oz. I've gotten through all the Nightmare Fuel stuff that kids normally have. Okay, nice. when do, do you get to Eraserhead? <laughs> when does the yeah. come into no, that come in? No, I mean the stuff that like is made for kids but horrifies kids. Yeah, like, yeah. We watch Secret and Nim. Like oh, we've okay. hit all the major <laughs> Rocky. Secretly, yeah. secretly horrifying. Yeah, we watch Sky Rocky. Colors. So yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man all right well recommend okay it. was not Damn, expecting that i'm gonna fucking watch this <laughs> that sounds fascinating you
2: really have to like just sit there and, and be like what i'm gonna what? the I'm whole time it like it's I'm great i give sasha
1: like, no context i'm just gonna turn it on yes and be like hey i heard ryan said this movie is good it's or, i mean even, not good but he said it was interesting sorry let me it's just, even better now
2: because if you have no context and you first start watching it you might not think she'll ever go to oz Mm-hmm. you may think like this is a modern tale where they just electroshock Oz out of her and this is yeah where the movie continues to go like you don't know if you have no clue you don't know where that movie is going jesus christ <laughs> it's wow. so dark
1: thanks disney
0: okay uh well i'm gonna close this out on a less dark uh and a little bit more mainstream note Um you
2: watched a real movie
0: <laughs> I, I watched a movie that is currently playing in theaters that very much pleasantly surprised me. Uh, I went and saw John Wick colon chapter four and uh, had a lot of fucking fun with it. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. We've known each other since we were nine
1: Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. Please
0: pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family.
2: Man has to look
0: his best when it's time to get married or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Ryan, you said you haven't seen any John Wick movies. Nope. John, have you seen any
1: John Wick movies? Yes, I've seen all three of the previous okay.
0: ones. So my general take on the franchise is that like, they do the absolute best action sequences of any you know action franchise. It's directed by a former stuntman. All, all the movies are. Chad Strahelski, he's directed all of them. He was Keanu's stunt double for a while in previous movies, and... You can tell it's directed by a man, He's clearly focusing on the action sequences and doesn't really care about story. And that has its pros and cons. I really liked the first one where they are just kind of like, the story is so stupid, right? It's like John Wick is an assassin who's out of the game and his wife has just died. And after her death, he gets a posthumous gift from her that's a dog. And like, I guess she just like ordered it when she was on her deathbed. And he gets this dog and the, a note from her that's like, hey, you need something to love. Start with this. And he starts... I, I rewatched the first one a few days ago, if you can't tell. Uh, and he just loves this dog. And then some like Eastern European goons that don't know who he is come in and wreck his shit and s- steal some stuff and kill his dog. And he gets very mad. And he goes on a murderous rampage and becomes the villain of the movie and just like murders 20, 30, 50 people just because one of them killed his dog and he's just angry. And it's just like it's so stupid and so over the top and like the movie does not led on that he's actually the bad guy. I don't even know if the the writers or the director of the movie even realized that Keanu is the villain of the movie (laughs) and has gone so far in retribution past what has been done to him that he has committed so many evil acts and become the overt villain of the film. But the action sequences are so good, and I kind of like that stupid... You know, taken kind of plot line where they're just like, ah, we don't really care. We just need a reason for this guy to get mad and go into cool killing spree. And we're gonna have lots of cool action sequences, and it, and it works really well. Two and three, I think, get a little too much involved in plot, and they're trying to figure out, okay, the first one made a bunch of money. How do we make this into a franchise and establish enough narrative to keep making these things? and they expand out from the first one and have all this lore around the high table of assassins. And there's this assassin currency that they use for everything. And this underground network of hotels where assassins stay, even though they seem very highly populated. And they're like all over the world. And like, wait a minute, how many fucking assassins are there? Like, how is this even possible (laughs) to maintain this massive network of global assassins? And it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And there's There's too much exposition, I think, in two and three. And the action sequences are great, but there's not enough of them. And I like those movies, but I was a little bit disappointed with them in relation to the first one. John Wick 4 is two hours and 50 minutes long. Oh, my God. And going into (laughs) it, I was a bit apprehensive, like, oh, no. This is going to be leaning into all this fucking lore fantasy bullshit that I don't care about. And it's not going to be focusing on the action stuff. Why else would it be that long? I was wrong. Uh, most of this two hours and 50 minutes is just the best action scenes you've ever seen in your fucking life. Like by far the best fight choreography I have ever seen. Absolutely incredible cinematography, wild stunts like you can tell that Keanu is doing the vast majority of these stunts he's doing the stunt driving he's doing the stunt fighting there are definitely scenes where they have to have stuntmen where he's like falling off buildings and shit but like it's absolutely incredible to look at the sound was wild I saw it in a like a regular Cinemark and it was fucking shaking the theater and I'm like oh I I need to go see this in IMAX or, or Dolby Cinema or something all of this was great. It was almost ruined completely by Bill Skarsgård's terrible French accent. Um, he plays the villain of this movie who is just a horrible character. Bill Skarsgård is really bad in the role and it's a horribly written character. And I was anytime he was on screen, I was just like, can we fucking please move on and get back to the action? But the action sequences are so good and they're so long. Like the the movie opens with a, you know, 10 minutes of set up and then an hour long action sequence. And then you have like a little bit of a break and then another huge action sequence. And then the movie ends with like an hour long action sequence. And it's fucking wild. Like there's a scene where they're driving the wrong way on like that big roundabout in Paris and they're doing all this crazy shit and fighting all these people. Donnie Yen is a major character in it who who plays like a former friend of Keanu Reeves who wasn't in the previous movies, but he the the assassin high table has tasked him with murdering john wick and if he doesn't they're going to kill his daughter so he's like it's kind of that like they write in a way to make you sympathize with the guy right like he's trying to kill the protagonist but he's a nice guy he's just like a professional assassin who is bound by the circumstances that he has put himself into you know like it's all kind of stupid but their rapport is really good, and their fight sequences are incredible. Uh, Donian's character is blind, and they his name is Kane. And I don't know if that is just, like, making fun of the fact that he carries a cane or if that is his actual name. It's it's not really clear if that is the case, but he's a fucking badass, like, just wrecks people. Um, clearly has been blind and for long enough where he has very good spatial recognition and, and can do all these crazy fight scenes the action sequences are in all these incredible sets. Like the first one is in this elaborate hotel that leads into this like art museum and these really cool areas. Uh, the final scene leads up to a church up a flight of like 300 stairs. And he like, wick has to keep going up the stairs and fighting new villains as they come down. Um, I was absolutely blown away by, by this movie. There's a scene in a, in a club where it's like raining inside <laughs> and they're fighting on the, the, and none of the, none of the attendees, like the dancers in the club even notice that they're like assassins killing each other. <laughs> um, you know, you have to kind of divorce yourself from reality a little bit to appreciate it. But I was, I was stunned by how well done the the movie is. And the The fight choreography is absolutely next level, and some of the some of the shots they get, the cinematography is just beautiful. There's an overhead sequence; it's like a single take, following John Wick through this massive building, like going through these rooms, killing all these bad guys. It feels like you're watching a video game because the camera is in the air, just like floating around and following him, and it, it's it's just mind-blowing to to watch. I I loved it. I'm going to try to go see it again in theaters before it leaves. Um, I was actually talking to John like, hey, do you want to go see this tomorrow? And then I realized that we both have a a conflict (laughs) tomorrow that we can't go see it. But I definitely want to see it again in the theater because I feel like it's such an experience that you just can't get at home. Like When this comes out on 4K, I'll probably buy it and and watch it at home, but it's just not going to be that same experience of being in a theater on a huge screen with just massive speakers just beating the shit out of you as this movie's going on um fucking loved it uh my favorite movie of the year so far Damn. Um, highly <laughs> highly recommend people go see it.
1: That's fucking rad. That's quite a fucking recommendation. Yeah, yeah I did I,
0: not expect to like it this much.
1: <laughs> I yeah, um, wow. yeah, like fun fact, uh, the first John Wick is the first movie I bonded with my father-in-law over because Oh, there you go. <clears> yeah. It's not, a very good dad movie. Yeah, it's like not even that the the violence was there, but just that my father-in-law speaks uh, uh native Russian. And I've been trying to learn a little bit myself and, uh, I know Alfie Allen was the, uh, villain in that one at least he was the son of the main bad guy oh he's got killed killed his dog yeah he's yeah. the guy who killed his dog who killed john wick's dog and at one point he is arguing with his dad about who can kill john wick and he uses the most poor fucking form russian i think that this franchise <laughs> is just poor form imitation of other languages
0: <laughs> it's directed by a stunt man
1: sure you know. I, I will allow it yeah, yeah sure but it was just one of those moments where we were both watching the same movie and he's just like dad Let me kill John Wick. And he he goes to say please in Russian, which I know the word for please in Russian is that's how you say it. And he goes, he like really leans on that. And we both just laughed at it. And I was like, did we just bond? (laughs) If the Russian is bad enough for you to
0: recognize that it's bad, that's that's not good. Exactly. So it
1: was one of those things where I was just like, yes, thanks, John Wick one. Your Russian was so bad. (laughs) We bonded. (laughs) Um, But yeah, John Wick 4 has been one that I've been like, I'm looking forward to it. I watched 2 and 3. Yeah, they had that same kind of world building problem for me. Yeah. Uh, And I've been seeing a lot of chatter from other people about going to see it either in Cinema 4D or seeing it in IMAX or Dolby or that kind of stuff. I'm not sure which one I want to try for, but obviously the IMAX is... Slowly being phased out right now. I think Bullock isn't doing it anymore. And
0: yeah, I think the AMC in town still has it, but I just saw it at a Cinemark, just at one of their like larger screens that they had. It wasn't IMAX or Dolby or anything like that, and it was mind blowing. Like the the sound was so good in just like a large regular theater that I'm I'm really looking forward to checking out in uh, you know a more legit uh, theater. So it was it was fucking wild. Do yeah. I
2: need to watch? John Wick, no, nope. chapter two, <laughs> no, nope. chapter three. Not at all. Or um, any, even the first John Wick? I mean, no. I guess... Uh, you, uh, you the know, first guys.
0: John Wick is good. Like, I, I mean, I like all four of them. The first one is, is real solid. This two and three are, eh, like, they're good enough. And then four is just, oh my God. Um mm, yeah. But even in, you know, I think in all of the movies, whenever the action stops... they have problems and there's too much (laughs) stupid exposition that doesn't make any sense. And just bad characters that don't really play out or lead anywhere. Uh, And the same is true in, in chapter four, But the action stuff is so good and it takes up such a large percentage of the movie that I was willing to easily forgive a lot of other problems that the movie has. Really, all you need to know is that, like, you know, in the first one, some goons kill John Wick's dog and they're connected to this massive assassin organization that he used to be a part of and he enacts revenge and that, you know, angers the people at the top of this massive global assassin organization. And every respective movie is just these ultra rich globalist assassins trying to murder John Wick and him getting mad and like the grief from his wife dying and his dog dying just perpetuating this anger that keeps him going throughout all these movies just like he has no end in sight he's just like I'm going to kill everyone and that is his sole driving factor and like all you need to know to watch John Wick chapter four is like these guys want to kill him, and he's mad. And you know his wife and died, and they people. killed yeah. his dog. They didn't kill his <laughs> wife; they killed his dog, which was his like connection to his wife at the time. And now he's angry, and he's just gonna like be the villain in this all these movies. But you're gonna root for him, and, like really. None of these people are morally upright. Like There's nobody really that you can cheer for. Yeah. But like, it's just like it's the action scenes are so good, you just don't really care about the moralism of it and who's right and who's wrong, and you're just like. Fuck yeah, Keanu Reeves, go! Just, just keep killing.
1: <laughs> it's the modern age death wish with less yeah, problems. Yeah, sounds like death Ryan. wish. Yeah, yeah. less <laughs> yeah. <laughs> problematic death wish.
2: Exactly. How how much money is there in the assassin business in the world? Like, how many people need apparently to be assassinated? And yeah, yeah.
0: I, apparently, quite a lot. Uh, there's lots of of rich assassins with massive estates and art collections and all of this bullshit that doesn't really make. Any sense at all like the the hotel is called the continental which is funny to me because that sounds like a like a cheap breakfast that you get at a holiday <laughs> inn but it's like the name for this fancy assassin hotel that's like all over the world and you know it's like oh all the assassins know about it but like you know they show assassins walking up to check in and the lobby is fucking packed and it's these massive hotels with so many people staying there I'm like are all of these people assassins <laughs> or do they market themselves differently to the broader <laughs> populace, but they reserve a certain amount of rooms for the assassins and only the assassins know that like, it's, it's just, they don't really care about explaining that stuff to you. And the more they get into the lore of it, the stupider it gets, the more and, it falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I will say our, our friend Jim disagrees with me on the John Wick franchise, but also really likes it. And he likes the world building stuff. And he's like, Oh, one was decent, but two got really interesting when they started getting into all this world building stuff. I'm like, you're wrong. That's stupid. Like, <laughs> Just get me. I don't care about any of that. Just fast forward to the action scenes. Just like, uh, you know, Donald Trump, uh, fast forwarding through all of the non action scenes in Bloodsport. Just get me to get me to the fight scenes. But, um, yeah, I mean, apparently there are people who like that shit, but, uh, it, it's, it's not for me. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Damn. It's a good recommendation.
0: So, yeah. Highly recommend John Wick 4. Go see it in the theater on the biggest screen you can find. Any any other thoughts before we close things out?
1: No. I think that that does it. It sounds like we've got three recommends, and they're all from totally different yes, areas. Totally different <laughs> Definitely. We have a, a
0: recommend <laughs> for Potato Dreams of America. Did yep, I get that right? That is right. A recommend, which I was shocked to hear, a recommend for Return to Oz. Yeah, and a recommend for John Wick colon Chapter Four, let so, there be carnage. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, unclear if there are going to be future John Wick movies. We'll we'll see how this goes. But this cool. will make
2: some bazillion dollars as well. I'm sure. Yeah, people, they all make find absurd something. amounts
0: yeah. of money. Uh, but this is kind of like this is the kind of franchise that I can appreciate. That like I'm glad that it's doing well and making money because they clearly put so much effort and care into making the scenes badass and making it a fun theatrical experience. It's like Fast and Furious and John Wick are like the two big movie franchises that I can stand behind at this point. Be like, look, they're stupid. The characters are dumb, but like they put so much effort into making you have a fun time at at the movies and making the stuff actually look good on screen that I can forgive a lot of flaws. So, Yeah. Fast 10 comes out uh, in May. so
1: Ringing endorsement yeah. for John Wick 4. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, well, thanks for joining us this week for Recommender Refute. Uh, with me, as always... John
1: Garcia.
2: And? No, uh, uh, Ryan King. Sorry, I have to go deal with my kids' nightmares of the Scarecrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good, good luck with that, buddy.
0: <laughs> awesome. And scene.
1: Did you say, uh, <laughs> I'm Michael Dixon? Does it matter? Oh. You can just say, I'm Michael I'm Dixon. Dixon. I've, I'm Michael Dixon. And it's fine.
0: I'm Michael Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> Who put a question mark on the teleprompter? <laughs> I'm Michael Dixon. I will give either you or me, whoever edits it, the option. I'll
1: there. do it. I'll do it. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.